It's a blessing to be here. If you'll be turning to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, and I appreciate the good report of what the Lord's done this morning, and uh, I'm glad I got to get in on a little bit of it. Nothing worse than jumping on a uh, moving train. Uh, that's dangerous. So uh, somebody told me how good it had been. I said, I hope y'all shout it out and I'll just sit this one out. And, uh, but uh, the Lord apparently uh, wants me here and I thank the preacher for the kind introduction. I already knew what was on my heart to say, so please don't think he's scratching my back and I'm scratching his. Uh, my wife and I uh, were talking when we got home last night uh, about the meeting and the ministry here and... Um, I told her, I said, I am so glad to be in an area where I do not sense competition among the ministries. Um, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I, I, everybody here knows the outreach that God has blessed this ministry with. Right? That's just, that, that goes without saying. And that being said, I think the absence of a competitive spirit emanates from this place. Uh, he doesn't think he's the godfather of Western North Carolina. Right? And therefore, all of us are able to come together here. I got to be at a missions conference in Saluda last week. The church runs 15. And there were three sister churches there, and we had a wonderful time. Their, their mission giving last year was $19,700. They took their pledge cards up on Sunday, and they're going to give 28000 this coming year. Now, that, that'll never get printed in anybody's periodical, but uh, the record keeper's in heaven. And I, we had a meeting uh, uh, with the Lord's led us into a marriage strengthening ministry at the church and brother Philip knows this we last Monday preacher uh, there were a hundred my church on a good Sunday we might have 75 there were 130 in the sanctuary and that was 16 different churches and I I'll put me on record as saying I am very grateful we are not in competition and as we near the coming of the Lord we need each other and so I am, I'm just, I, I want to say that, and I, I'm just very, very grateful uh, for that uh, part of the ministry. I also uh, want to thank Brother Randy and my wife for having the gift of encouragement. Um, we were on our way, and Chris said, honey, I'm going to tell you what you tell me when I'm going to speak at a ladies' meeting. She said, just minister to one. Just think about one. She said, that always helps me when you say that. She said, so just think about one. I said, okay, that's, thank you, sweetie. She said, don't think about the millions that are listening around the world. <laughs> she said, don't, she said, no, it's one. It, you think about one. And then he gets up here and goes, 36 countries. From Barack Obama, 57 states. And then of all places, the Philippines. 
where a big part of my heart is, you know, and I'm like, thank you, brother. That, that's, um, I'll return that favor one day. And payback is so sweet because you plan for it. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm anticipating that day. Even so come. Even so come. So uh, there's not, pardon me, I know where I need to grab a water. So uh, 2 Corinthians 12, and um, let's look at verse 6. 2 Corinthians 12, verse number 6. For though I would, this is where Paul has said about the revelation he received whether he is in the body or out of the body. When I walked in, I think I bumped into some folks that didn't know if they were in the body or out of the body. Uh, Michael was just weeping. And it didn't, at first glance, I couldn't tell if it was a spiritual experience or, or I said, are you okay? He said, I'm fine. <laughs> so I, I think there's been some this morning, in the body, out of the body, I cannot tell. And I'm not sure they cared it, whether it was in the body or out of the body. So uh, that's what's described. And then we pick up in verse 6. Um, For though I would desire to glory. Don't get mad at Paul about that. Okay, we can't have a good service without telling somebody. He got called up to heaven and had things revealed to him. I would glory, but I'm not going to be a fool. For I will say the truth, but now I forbear, I hold off, I wait, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. Acts 20, where Paul was warning the Ephesian pastors about false teachers, he said they will draw disciples after themselves. So in these strange last days that we're living in, please listen carefully to who that man is trying to draw you to. If he is not tying you head over heels in love with Jesus, run from him. And I'm not talking about Joel Osteen. If you go that direction, you've got far deeper issues that you need to address. I'm talking about a man with the King James Bible and the nearly inspired red back. No, that, that's how simple we... Young people, I, I, I'm glad you're here. I'm honing in on you. I know all of you, so don't get offended. Okay? That's how simple we've got in these last days. If he totes a King James Bible and sings out of the red back, has a decent haircut, and his wife looks more or less modest, we just believe everything they say, hook, line, and sinker. And some of them are trying to draw disciples after themselves, and that's the first sign of a false teacher. Paul said, I don't want you thinking highly of me. He said, I want you head over heels in love with Jesus. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Uh, eight, for this, uh, uh, lest I should be exalted of, above measure through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh... Most Bible expositors believe it was visible. That's what most will say that you read after. The messenger of Satan, that's the non-visible spiritual warfare aspect of it, to buffet me, lest 
I should be exalted above measure. Please notice he said that twice in verse 7. Verse 8, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, who, who's, who, who made that statement? God. Now, now Paul's talking. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, reproaches, necessities, persecutions, Distresses for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. The message today is very simply this, when God says no. And the truth of the matter is, most of us don't like it any more now than we did when we were four years old and mom or dad said no. We don't, we, we, we don't like it. We don't respond well to it. Uh, we think we know better than... Thank you for the songs. Uh, I was like, I don't even know these dear people and, and somebody told them what I'm preaching. We, 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 we need Him. He doesn't need us. He doesn't need, he, he doesn't need my input. Lord, this is really how I'd like to see you get me from point A to point B. He is not going to take me from point A to point B the way I recommend. We're going everywhere but what I normally think is the right route. And we don't like it when he says no, but I promise you there is a reason for it. I want you to look with me, please, in the middle of verse 7. This will be my text. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh the messenger of Satan to buffet me. And then verse 8, For this thing, the thorn in the flesh and the messenger of Satan, I besought the Lord thrice that it de might depart from me. Real quick, just by way of introduction, look at the word thorn in verse number 7. He's not talking about something you prick your hand with when you're out cutting brush or you're, you're uh, trimming rose bushes around the house. Look it up. The word means a tent peg or a tent stake. I'm preaching to people this morning. Thank God for the audience that's out there. But I'm preaching to people in this room today. You feel like you've got a tent stake in your heart. I was talking to Brother Barnett on the way in this morning. Let me tell you something. We, we, we're, 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 these are strange days and there is mental, physical, spiritual and emotional oppression that God's people, y'all are on the road, many of these men are on the road, God's people all over the place are dealing with. And I, say what you want to, it's different than it was two and a half years ago. If you don't, if, we're not going into conspiracy and all that and international politics. If you don't see the hand of the enemy and everything that's going on, whether he was behind the initial step or has taken advantage of it is, is irrelevant at this point. The enemy is at work. 
in a great, great way. And we, we, we better see it for what it is. To be forewarned is to be forearmed and to keep thinking we're dealing with something that needs a vitamin or an antibiotic is way off base. There's a spiritual side of what's going on. And, and, and we, 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 better, we, better, we better grasp it. I, I, start, I prayed about whether or not to even say this. Let me, I'll try to minimize the personal illustrations. And please don't tell her you heard it from me because I'll be on her blacklist for a while. Our youngest daughter, Emily, who was here for one hour yesterday, trying to come back today for one, maybe two. The doctor told her yesterday morning, there is, she's been sick 16 months. He said, there, she's 28. She's, he said, there's absolutely nothing I can do for you. You need to look into a COVID rehab facility. 28. Everybody in here's got a story, right? I, I, I'm not pretending that, it, that, we, that we don't. I am just here to tell you that, that we didn't anticipate that two years ago. If you knew her two years ago, she's the Energizer Bunny. I was like, Chris, can, you get a, is, can we calm her down? She, she needs Xanax or something. And now the child will go 15 hours, sleep 15 hours, get up for two and take a nap. I, I, and, and here's what she told me and her mother this weekend. She said, she said, every, when I, she said, every, she said, this is what I do. She said, I read my Bible and pray and call on God hourly. She said, I am doing my best. Am I right, sweet? She said, I'm doing my best not to let this come between me and God. But Sister Agee, she said, Daddy, it's wearing on me. You've got people in your church. You've got people in your church. You, y'all got people at your church. You've got people at your church. It's wearing on them. And, and they love God and they love His Word and they love His house. And they, don't, they, they, hadn't, they hadn't converted to pajama church. That they've done their best to stay faithful to God and it's wearing on them and they're asking God for help and they're not seeing the answer they were asking him for and it's wearing on them. Read the book of Daniel. The enemy, one of his characteristics is he will wear out the saints. He will wear out the saints. Is that not the day we're living in? The message, that, that, that's introduction. The message is... Where do we go when we ask Him for help and the apparent answer is no? That's what the help that I want us to get this evening. Real, real quick, the reality. Paul said in this passage, he said, if God hadn't given me this thorn, I would have been exalted above measure. I'm not going to go there. You can write it in your notes. 1 Corinthians 8, 1, Paul said, knowledge puffeth up. 2 Corinthians 4, 7, we bear this, we carry this treasure in earthen vessels. Okay? So let me, let me lay a little bit more groundwork, then we'll, get, we'll hit the message and I'll be done. Here's why Paul publicly said, and God inspired it through the Holy Ghost for us to read 2,000 years later. He said, you've been richly blessed and if I don't give you this thorn, you're going to get exalted above measure and think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. If you're listening from anywhere around the world, if you're visiting from anywhere else, please take what I'm about to say in the spirit that it is intended. We are blessed in this part of the country. I saw a meme last night. It drew a picture around the Appalachians. It said, it's all fun and games until these people get involved. 
it's, it, they ain't wrong. But I want to I want to bring it down more narrow than that. Upstate South Carolina, Western North Carolina, East Tennessee, Southwest Georgia, and uh, uh, Southwest Virginia, and Northeast Georgia. Draw you a circle in there. Tell me we're not blessed, preacher. Y'all travel, brother. You travel. Am I am I right? I said that at my church in our January meeting. Sister McBride was sitting right over on the far right of our church. Y'all know how he travels. She start, Brother Phillips, she bobbed her head. She looked like my wife's Church of God grandmother. Bobbing her head. I was looking for a bobby pin to go flying. And y'all know she's, that's, that's not her. But when I, when I made that statement, I, was, I don't even know what prompted it, but I was talking about the heritage. Right in here, hour and a half, two hour radius of where we stand. It's a rich heritage. I'm not saying that to, we're not, all of us in here know we're not better than any of those people. I, I think it's the people who settled this area is why we have it. The price they paid Physically and spiritually to get here, it bred some character in there. I cherish it. But if we're not careful, we can get a sense of pride that we're better than those in the Midlands. We've had a little more intimacy with God than somebody in, and you fill in the blanks. Y'all with me? And that's exactly what Paul's saying. He said, I've been places I never dreamed God would let me go. And he gave me a thorn in the flesh, lest I should be exalted above measure. It would do every one of us good to remember we carry something amazing, but we carry it in an earthen vessel. So let me let the cat out of the bag. Here's the message. If what's in the vessel is going to get out, if what's in the vessel is going to show instead of me, he's got to break it. Because he's not leaving. That ought to make us shout. He's not leaving. So if this world is going to see that hidden, that treasure that's inside of there, he's going to have to break me. And that's not fun. And I don't like it. I didn't get up this morning saying, Lord, I ain't been broke in a while. I hope you stomp on me. Oh, no. No, I got up and said, Lord, please uh, uh, anoint me and use me uh, for your glory. He said, I, I, I will, but you know how that's going to happen, don't you? He said, open your outline, silly boy. It's going to be bro brokenness again. And I don't like it. Maybe you've reached that epic point of spirituality where you're like yes another breaking point time out that's weird that ain't spiritual you own something I'm, I'm not I'm serious it, you, you, you're, you've numbed your, your mind who said it was it at my church or was it here yesterday we're geared for self preservation Harm comes my way, I'm ducking. Well, I preached in a church a few months ago and some strange looking guy came in. We didn't realize they had already checked him at the front and as far as they knew he was safe. They and all, But uh, he just had some weird mannerisms during the service, went so far as to stand up at a very inappropriate time. He sat back down and, and uh, I, I, the, the preacher had gone around and got his gun and, and had the sights on him. Okay, So I'm glad the guy didn't do anything, but nobody knew where the preacher was. 
So I'm preaching, and he stands up again, and that time he wants to engage me in conversation. I said, sir, we are thrilled to death you are here. You are always welcome in this church. I wasn't even in my home church. I said, you're welcome here, but you need to sit down, and we'll talk after church. He said, but I was just, I said, we'll talk after church. And so he sat down. So after church, the preacher came to me, and he said, I, I knew we were in good hands because you were in the pulpit and your son-in-law was on the second pew and I knew if he tried anything, y'all would take care of him. He said, I was hidden watching him with, with my gun. He said, but I knew that immediately you and Josh would do something. I went, preacher, I was ducking behind the pulpit. I said, I'd already looked if there was room for me in the pulpit. And Josh said, Pastor, I was diving under the pew. <laughs> and Chris speaks up. She looks all sweet. She said, I had a songbook in my hand. <laughs> she said, I had my songbook like this. She said, if he made one more move, she said, I was going right for his face to blind him. She said, and I was taking that gun out of his hand. And Josh and I stood there and went, she had, she, she had this under control. And the pastor looked at her and said, I'm glad somebody around here had a little gumption about them. I wasn't packing in the pulpit. And he said, I knew you had it under control. I said, I had me under control. We're geared for self-preservation. And when something breaks out, we don't like it. And we don't like what's going on around us. And I didn't get up and ask him for another attack. So Paul said, lest I should... So the reality is, without this thorn, Paul would have been exalted beyond measure. And without our thorns, we would be too. I don't like to admit it, but it's true. Real quick, look at verse number 7. There was given me a, me a, a thorn in the flesh... The messenger of Satan. Real, real quick. I was, I was just going to mention this one and keep going. We saw the reality. Look at the reversal. What that messenger of Satan come to do? Buffet him. What did God use it to accomplish? Bless him, help him, and ex exalt him? I am so glad that what the enemy means for evil, God means for good. Let me tell you something. I was, brother, brother Jacob, I was studying on this. I'll bet the devil wishes he had never attacked Job. Oldest book in the Bible. I'm about to run. Levi, take over. Oldest book in the Bible. And Satan unleashes on Job. Estimate from the old, for 6,000 years how many people have been helped by the story of Job. Could I conservatively say, could I conservatively say one billion? <laughs> and every time somebody gets up and says, turn to Job chapter 1. In Bolivia, in the Philippines, in the States, all over the world. Turn to Job chapter 1, the devil goes. And, and I, I think he's got some smart aleck assistant who goes, I told you. Is he, is, he, is he married? She got it. You're with me. If he's married, somebody said, I told you. The ladies are laughing. The men are all drawn up in a knot. 
Here's what the assistant said. I told you when you went that first time and his first response was to worship, to leave him alone. But no, you had to go back. What did you think he was going to do? And every time somebody says, open your Bible in any language around the world to the book of Job, I'm going to give you a little help to get through your trials. The devil goes, I just knew he would curse God. He didn't. And now they're not. The best thing you could do is let your trial draw you closer to Jesus and give the devil a nervous breakdown. I love, oh, y'all bless my heart. And these, these Bible college students around here, oh, they, they, they just bless me, Brother Randy, when I see them. I know they ain't perfect. And Michael's learning how to be a real man and not act like a fool in the dorm and break his hand and get cool scars. And he said, I got a cool scar. I said, you got it about the dumbest way anybody can get a scar. said you could have been toting boxes or something you know for Jesus you know but man I love these young people and it oh to know some of the trials and the breaking you're going to go through I want you to anchor yourself now in the word establish it in your heart God's good and whatever the devil means God means it for good establish that now in the middle of it is not the time to try to clear your thinking up Natalie said it this way I can't figure out why she ain't put it in a song yet she said we need to get our theology about God long before the trials come Brother Mark, that probably wouldn't sell a whole bunch of songs, but it's a truth that we all need. You establish what you believe about God now, not in the middle of a storm. You're not going to be thinking straight in the middle of a storm. The, the reversal, okay? And i got to tell you this. Look at, look at that verse. Uh, look In the middle of the verse, there was, you, you, you follow me? Abundance of revelations, there was. Can you say the next word, somebody? What do I give to people? Gifts. Here's what Dr. Spurgeon said. Paul saw that as a gift. Not at the moment, but after the fact, there was given to me. If it draws me closer to Jesus, it's a gift. That's, here's what Daddy would say. That's easy preaching and hard living. Brother Eddie? If it puts me on my knees, yes, yes. when otherwise I wouldn't have been. Brother Philip, it's good for me. Do I, need, I, I think I need to stop giving invitation for me. When, if it puts me on my knees, when otherwise I wouldn't have been at his feet. And pouring out your heart to him is an act of worship, just like being filled with over, to overflowing with joy. Right? Worship means to ascribe worth. And if I find myself at an altar before Him, even if it's with a broken heart, Miss Christie, that's worship. I'm telling Him what He's worth to me. And Paul said, I got a gift. Came in the form of a thorn, which was a tent stake. 
but it was a gift. The reversal, it, it backfired on the devil and I'm so glad it did. Look at verse number 8 and I won't even re- I want it, I'm just going to look at my notes and not the verse so I won't stay there long. What was Paul's reaction? Same as mine and yours would be. Take it away. Please take it away. I'll let you do something with that. What was, what was God's response? This is beautiful. He never talked about the trial, valley, or storm. You with me? Verse number, verse number nine. What Jesus draw is what God draw his attention to. Grace. Brother, Brother Locklear, he, he said, take it away. My grace is sufficient for you. He didn't say, no, I brought this trial into your life so you can make you a little sash and put it on there. I've been hurt by a church. I was abandoned by a spouse. My parents gave me... No, he said, no, 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 my grace is sufficient. In this touchy-feely, politically correct, warped, crazy, weird society we live in, we want to talk about the problem. And God wants us talking about Him. God wants us experiencing His grace. He's got it, Brother A.G., He's got it. But we're so, we're so concerned. Do I go there? Yeah, I'm going there. Listen to most, probably not a lot of you, listen to most testimonies. Come on, man. Take 30 seconds if you have to to tell us about the problem, but then would you switch to Jesus? Yeah. Yeah. Man, we are. Here's, here's what one man said if you don't know what to preach on, preach on problems. I got them, you got them, everybody's got them. That's your three points. And here's your poem. Adam had them. Problems are worldwide. And what broke my heart may not break his. And what broke his may not break mine. But we're all dealing with something. And, and, And the answer, the response from God was my grace is sufficient. It wasn't, Paul, let me explain why I brought this particular kind of problem. Let's study your problem. Let's read a book on your problem. How about if we read a book about Jesus? Why don't we start at Isaiah 53? Wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. They did that to Jesus? Yeah, they sure did. So you want to tell me about your thorn? Was anybody's problem in the last 30 seconds put in a different perspective? Mine was. Just reminding myself in front of God and these assembled witnesses what Jesus went through for me. I'm like, oh, this, that's not as big a deal as I thought it was. You follow me? That, I'm, I'm leaving that point. Is that is, You get it? The answer was... I got grace for you. And, and, and again, I, I, I think this one was Spurgeon too. I, I think Brother, uh, Brother Bolivia said, uh, he wasn't sure Spurgeon said everything we said he did. But uh, I, I'm pretty sure that did. he said, you'll never exaggerate the grace of God. And then Alan Redpath said this. He said, how modest of God to use the word. To use the word sufficient. 
Is that good? If he if, if more came in than they was expecting and he radioed downstairs. <laughs> Woo! And, and he radioed downstairs and said, uh, this, this many's in the auditorium. And uh, one of the ladies said, uh, we have sufficient. She's saying, we'll be able to feed them. Now don't send any more, but we can handle those. And Alan Redpath said, how modest of God to say, my grace is sufficient. He said, here I am over here like a little minnow, and I'm in the sea of God's grace. And that little minnow is wondering if he's going to drink it all up. If you've got a problem, say amen. He's got grace. Your problem is probably different, sweetie, is probably different from mine. But I would never minimize the problem that a child goes through. So whatever they are, they're real. But he's got grace for it. And he very humbly said, I've got sufficient. We, I got this for you. You're good. And you and I both know he's got way more than sufficient. Okay? Okay, let's, let, let's, let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. Uh, look at uh, verse number 9 and 10. And I'll, I'll just... Uh, what, so what comes out of His grace? I get His strength for my weakness. I'll take that trade any day. Uh, Jesus is my high tower. Here, here's what one songwriter said. I had nothing to offer but my guilt and my shame. It was all through the blood in His holy name. So what, what, how did this deal work out when Paul availed himself of the sufficient grace of God? He got God's strength for his weakness. Uh, he got Christ's power on him. Again, when I finished my, my, my prep and review late last night, I, I, I said, Lord, now I can't do this without your power. Brother A.G., he said, you know what you just asked for. He said, you get ready to preach on it. You get Christ's power through suffering and loss. There's no other way. Brother Eddie, there's no other way. This isn't one of many options. You understand? We think it's... I like the all-night prayer meetings. Okay, I'm, I'm, but we, we think, well, if I spend enough time under the old brush arbor, I'll get his power. We all need, Brother, Brother Mark, sing about it. We, we need the rock altars. And that's, those are wonderful. You're going to get his power when you suffer with him. Philippians 3, that I may know him. The power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his who resurrects? Say it. Dead people. That's why we're not getting resurrection power. We don't want to die. Number six. Look at verse 10. What's the rejoicing? I take pleasure. Paul, brother, in this account... From the onset of the problem until he, the place he was when he wrote this, literally finds pleasure 
in his trials and persecutions because he knows what's, what's coming out of him. I close with this. Please hear me out. If you don't know him, you will before the day's over. Brother Mark Wheeler. How many of you have been blessed a little or a lot by he has? That's a dumb question, ain't it? Right? Ask him. Miss Joy, you can vouch for me because he won't do anything to draw any attention to himself. Ask him the shape he was in when he wrote it. A long, arduous, seemingly never-ending bout with depression. Right? Found himself broken yet again at the old rock altar. Once again, pouring his... He tells this story, so I'm not, I'm not sharing confidential information. Pouring out his heart to God saying, I can't go on. And I know I'm not faithful, but you are. Amen. And I know I don't always love people the way you do, but you, you're always... And he... Pray, preacher, I'm not, I, I'm not embellishing the story at all. And said all at once, he went, that sounds like a song. Uh, he giveth songs in the night. So if you've ever been blessed by, he has, and he always will be, you can thank God that a broken man didn't turn his back on God but did what they taught me here in the mountains, pressed in. Draw nigh. Draw nigh to God. And then, most everybody, and some of the younger ones don't know, Ronnie and Rebecca Starr, Alaska, been here many times. God in His merciful sovereignty allowed us to meet them at the beginning of deputation. The children were two, three, and four. Right. <laughs> and they came to my home church. It was the first or second missionary we took on after the Lord opened my daddy's eyes to missions. Yeah. Fifteen years later, they came home on furlough. It's the early 90s now. We've met them in, er- in the mid-70s. And we're, in- we're already in the-, the other building. And Miss Rebecca... Uh, came to Brother Ronnie always, more often than not, had her give a testimony before his message. And I was, uh, early, early 90s, I would have been, um, my early 30s, we would have had all four of the kids by then, and life was very intense and um, busy. And Miss Rebecca stood there and she said, um, this last term was the hardest we've ever had. And she told everything they'd dealt with, much of what the young bloods deal with now, the suicides. You're in a village of 400, right? Everybody knows everybody and somebody commits suicide. It doesn't get buried in the news when you live in a metropolitan area. It touches everybody there. and The suicides and the drugs and the abandoned children and somebody she had poured her life into for like four years had walked away from the faith. All of the ministry stuff. And Miss Rebecca, great day, sweet, loved Jesus, walked in the Spirit. And and so here she is, 
And she, she stood there at that pulpit and she said, I went to my knees and said, Lord, the ministry's killing me. And she said, the sweet Holy Ghost whispered in her ear and said, that's exactly what it's supposed to do. That's what I said. Because there I was, much younger than I am now, and learning some of those life lessons. And he said, that's what I meant for it to do. Because when you come to the end of yourself, you'll, when, you've, when I'm all you've got, you'll find out I'm all you need. Now that's easy to sing and lift your hand and wave your hanky. But buddy, when you live in it and you in that prayer closet or rock altar all by yourself and your heart's broken and you're not sure it'll ever mend again, we're not waving too many hankies in there. Y'all, come on now. He said, I meant for it to kill you because then I'll be all you'll have and you'll experience me the way we were in this chapter just now. He said, you'll experience me in a way you never dreamed possible. Thankfully, God had brought her to that point when she shared that testimony, so we got to hear that part of it as well. But I remember several people in that auditorium that night, years later, saying what that truth had meant to them. Preacher, you can come. I close with this one statement, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart. And the next dark time I'm in, I want somebody... Brother Fanning, to call me, text me, and remind me that I said it, would you? When God says no, He always has a greater yes. Brother Eddie, I don't know what the greater yes in an apparent short-term no. But I tell you on the authority of God's Word, He's got a greater yes. Yes, sir, preacher. And if we bail on him, if we if we get bitter against God, we'll never experience that greater yes. He is of purer eyes than to look on iniquity. He's not going. He, it's, it's been said by more articulate, eloquent men than me. He loves you too much to do you wrong. He's never made a mistake. Let him, let him be everything that he wants to be in your life. Thank you so much for your attention. Thank you, Pastor, for the opportunity.